Well, this is weird, isn't it? Very strange. <laughs> Sitting on our sofa. Chatting to each other, but also to the world. With microphones in our hands, trying yes. to record. We don't actually have stands yet, so we look like pop singers holding mics in their hands. Okay, so um, welcome to the first ever official grand opening episode of... Learning to Lead. Learning to Lead, yeah, with... Steph. And Ash. Um, so just to give a few introductions before we delve into the podcast, since this is the first episode, we kind of wanted to um, share a bit about who we are, what we do, and what the vision for this podcast is. And so, like we said, my name is Ash, and I'm 24. I'm Steph, I'm 22. Uh, we both live in Watford and we both live in <laughs> Watford because, because we're married <laughs> yeah. and we've been married about seven months now um just under by a few days and marriage is going great isn't it yeah it's all right I think we're doing fine in lockdown haven't killed each other yet yeah haven't killed each other yet though fine isn't a great word that's like mediocre can you give me a better word um, than fine um marvelous Great. <laughs> <laughs> Marriage is going well. Steph's trying to mug me off. Yeah. It's okay. Um, so, yeah, we both live in Watford. Um, we both are passionate about leadership and mm -hmm. want to grow in leadership. And yeah. um, we'll explain a bit more about that later. Um, but Steph's just going to start by explaining a bit about what we do as well. So, yeah, we're both third year theology students um, trying to write and finish dissertations and essays is very hard um, at the moment. But we are plowing on and we're very excited to finish. Um, I am also currently working at our church doing stuff in the worship, um, which I love. Um, and then for us, just for our future, we, we love church, we love leadership, we feel called to serve the church, um, and we're very excited for what God has in store for us um, for the rest of our lives, really. Yeah. yeah, that's great. Steph's a very talented worship leader, a musician and songwriter, as well as being full of wisdom, which you're going to hear throughout these episodes. Yeah, let's um, hope. <laughs> yeah. And so, yeah. And, and so now a bit about our vision of what learning to lead is about, why we're doing it. Obviously, it's not just because we're bored, stuck in um, the corona lockdown. And for those of you listening in 20 years from now and wondering, what was the lockdown? It was this crazy time <laughs> when this like virus like took over the world and we none of us could leave our houses um, to try and minimize the chaos, really, isn't it? Mm. And for those of you who are listening during it, stay strong. We're with you. Yes. We love you. We can get through this. <laughs> Amen. Amen. <laughs> <laughs> but our vision for this podcast is this. So like I said, we both are passionate about leadership. We're passionate about being the best leaders as individuals we can be. So Steph wants to be the best leader she can be um, in all spheres of life. And me, for myself, I want to be the best leader I can be. And we want to continue growing and learning about leadership. And um, we consider ourselves early in our leadership and we consider ourselves young leaders. And, we're um, babies. Yeah, <laughs> babies in this this whole world, really. And so we're, this is what the podcast is about. It's about journeying with us, hopefully, um, about what it is to lead and learning about leadership and some of the qualities. And hopefully there's going to be a lot of story involved um, and from our experiences and hopefully in the future as well, um, once this lockdown ends and we can actually invite people over to our house again 
Uh, we can have some guests on who are friends. And in the future, maybe some of our inspirations in terms of people we've worked under or worked with or um, whatever. And then maybe even if we keep going past like December, <laughs> I don't know, maybe if this gets really big somehow, we might be able to invite some like really good names on here. You um, wish. <laughs> I don't know. I'm trying to think of someone. Um, Batman. I'd love to get Batman on here. <laughs> Do you know Batman is a fictional character? No, Batman's real. Um, yeah, and so that's the vision for the podcast. So I was just listening back through, you know, for editing purposes and all that, and realised that um, as we got to this point, our doorbell went, and so we had to stop the recording. And now it sounds really unclean and not very good. And so just so you know, that's why it sounds rubbish. And it's not just because we're losers and bad in our first podcast. Anyway, here's the next bit. Something that you should know is uh, we are both Christians. We are both followers of Jesus. And that is a big part of our lives, you know. Um, and so please don't be put off if you're not a Christian and you're listening to this. Like this is for everyone who wants to learn about what it is to be a leader and to grow in leadership. And there's so much stuff which I think can anyone can access and it's okay for but there will be a strong um christian theme throughout where we will we will be trying to uh, disciple ourselves into leaders that look a bit like jesus and so that look is a lot like jesus yeah look a lot like jesus and so that will be a center of what we do um but i think this is still a podcast that anyone of any faith um who's looking to grow and learn about leadership um can be part of yeah do you agree? yeah and also we're not talking about this like it's all things we've learned in the past but instead it's things we're learning in the present and we'll continue to learn in the future and this isn't us telling you all the things that we've established in our lives but all the things that we're wrestling with at the moment and i hope and pray that our opinions will transform and be nurtured over the period of time that we spend on these podcasts that we wouldn't arrive and tell you what we think and what you th- what you should think, but that actually, as we discuss, that we would be we wouldn't be too proud to change our minds, and we wouldn't be too proud to to say, you know, what well, actually I think I've got this wrong, or um, I don't think I've been doing this well. And I really hope we we have that through these podcasts. Yeah, that's so good. That's so good. And I think the final point before we crack on um, is that both of us. Uh, passionately believe that we all um, can be leaders and we all are leaders. We all have that capacity within us. And that's because we think we are made in the image and the likeness of God. And since God is the ultimate leader, um, we have that capacity within us to lead no matter what. And we all have our spheres of influence, those friendships, those work colleagues, those um social groups, whatever it is, we all know people and we have some level of influence. And so that makes us leaders. And it, those are the, anyone can be in a position of leadership and grow in this stuff. Um, and it's not just about, you know, if you're a CEO of a business or head of a church or whatever um, those positions are, this is for everyone to get involved in, to learn about, because we think it's essential to being human, basically, is learning a lot of this stuff. And so, should we get going? Yeah.
let's get going. So the first thing um, we thought it'd be cool to talk about, to, again, to kind of intro into who we are and what our experiences are, is to talk about what is our experience in leadership? Where did it begin? How did it begin? And what is what have we done in the your 22 years of your life, 24 years of my life? Where have we been leaders and been in roles of leadership um, so far? So Steph is going to kick us off. What's your leadership story so far? Uh, yeah, I can definitely see attributes of a leader in myself growing up. Um, I was very bossy, and I don't think that's a bad thing. Very bossy, uh, still you now. You didn't know me as a child. That's why I said still now. Okay, okay, okay. Um, so yeah, growing up, um, I loved kind of pretending to be a teacher in my in my room. I used to have like registers where I'd like make up the names of my class and I would like sign them in and then I would tell them off and I would give them work to do. And that was me. <laughs> if that doesn't like scream control freak, I don't know what does, uh, no, but I think we'll it, let it go. I think it screams inspiring, nurturing human being. Um, anyway, <laughs> so yeah, I loved, I loved being a leader, uh, even just in a room by myself. Loved doing makeshift leadership. Um, but actually, my first real practical form of leadership happened when I was in um, secondary school, and I was chosen to um, be a part of an, an initiative um, citywide in Sheffield, where I grew up, that basically taught children in primary school to partake in athletics. Um, and it was a really cool experience, actually, as like a 12, 13-year-old teaching um, a six-year-old how to do the hurdles. Um, and I remember learning a lot through those few years um, about myself, about what it took to um, to be a leader and to teach. Um, and I even remember having an experience where um, me and a group of friends were laughing about um, a little boy and his shoes because they weren't very fashionable. They were quite mundane. And we started laughing. And one of the kind of instruct lead instructors of the um, the organisation came over to us and he was like, hey guys, what are you laughing at? And then we were like, oh, that boy's not got very nice shoes or something on those lines. And he was like, well, maybe he doesn't have enough money to buy any shoes better than that. And I remember me and my friends kind of stood there feeling very awkward and ashamed. And it was even in those moments that I learned about leadership um, surpassing all of our understanding and learning so much through that of how can we assume people's lives and we are in a position to love people no matter what um, and to not let anything like that wealth or fashion divide us so even as a 12 year old I was learning all these things that's some big life lessons I know. at 12 I know <laughs> I was a big thinker um, and then when I was 15 um, I was in an amazing dance school growing up I loved dance I was there um, most days of the week, um, loved it. My, it was my, my second home, my second family. And actually, they had an amazing teaching program that meant that if you were interested in becoming a student teacher when you turned 14, 15, you were able to assist in classes and then take exams to become a, a qualified teacher. And I loved that. I loved leading four-year-olds in ballet and tap and getting them pretend to be fairies and to make rainbows and I still remember all the songs we used to use and then and I have such fond memories of that fond memories of nurturing children um 
to giving them space to be imaginative and to to move and have the freedom of their bodies and I just loved it um, and it was obviously the discipline of it I think there's a huge discipline to leadership um, as Richard Foster tells us in his book <laughs> um, but I think it was in those in those years that I really learned the discipline of leadership and all those times that I had to spend by myself reading my my books reading the um, the syllabuses for the for that particular um, grade of dance and it was in those like behind the scenes moments that I was being nurtured as a leader and then they were equally important as standing in front of my class and knowing my knowing myself as a leader but also knowing uh, my content as a leader and what I was sharing with them um, and then finally and I'll say this really quickly because I know I've been going on but no this is great keep going but, um I was asked um, at my church to lead our girls' group um, just on a Wednesday after school. And I. What? Sorry, what is the girls' group? Could you just explain what um, that would look so like? So it was just a girls' group of like year seven to year nine, um, the girls in, in our church at already. Um, and they obviously brought friends and stuff because that's what we encourage them to do. But that just meant providing material for them to use. Um, on a Wednesday, leading them in Bible study, showing them how to pray, how to pray for each other. And that was, um, yeah, I, I, I really loved that. It gave me a heart for girls' ministry, um, gave me a heart for showing girls how much worth they have. Not the boys don't have any worth. <laughs> um, but me, for me particularly as a female, showing girls how much worth they have, which sparked all of the stuff that now inspires me today. Um, to push forwards in girls' ministry. Yeah. Yeah, wow, that's so good. I can see um, so much of that learning from a young age in you in terms of, yeah, you're saying, you know, joking about being a teacher in your bedroom, but actually you have that compassion and, like, wanting to raise people up and, and such a vital part of leadership. That's so good. Yeah, so what about you? What is your initial experiences of leadership? Uh, wow, um... Unlike you, I can't actually think if I go way back of specific moments, but I think one of the first real experiences of uh, leadership, and by leadership in this context, I mean being a role model, someone that people maybe look up to and um, inspire towards and also start basing their actions on, is I remember in primary school. And so in, I went to a, quite a small primary school. There's maybe like hundred of us from year reception right up to year six and I remember by the time I was in year six you know like you're like top dog of the school and not just like top dog it's only a hundred kids and so everyone knows you everyone knows who you are and actually and then I was like remember I got voted as like house captain I was on all the sports teams I was quite clever and obviously that means nothing because it's such a small pool of people <laughs> um but in that moment, it was important. And so all those kids younger than me, they looked up to me. And I remember just having this, uh, these responsibilities in school. I remember like knowing that the teachers were like, were taught to you about, remember these, the younger ones are looking up to you. So think about the way you act. And I think that's one of my first initial tastes of um, leadership. And I think it's so important because as a leader, you can't say, one thing and then act another way and um, you've got to lead by example and be a role model that inspires people and brings people up and and all those kind of things and I think 
the actual first real experience of leadership for me was within my youth group. So like Steph, and um, well, actually a bit different to Steph's story. But I grew up um, through, throughout my teenage years in a youth group right from year 11, year 11, year 7, 11 years old, through to 18, 19 years old. And um, it was an amazing youth group. And I remember really getting invested in. That was kind of my first taste. Like my youth worker... Um, spent time with me and got to know me and said to me you know there's stuff in you that's really good and I want to invest in that and so age 15 16 I started getting to lead little things within the youth group and occasionally I'd get to do a talk here and there that's something that I'm really growing in and passionate about is like preaching and teaching and so that's something part of my leadership which started to be nurtured and then and then as that got on, I got more and more responsibilities in the youth group. And then I ended up doing an internship with the youth, um, as a youth worker, with my youth worker, um, learning under him and being on with working with him and a friend of mine who was working at the church as well. And we sort of, the three of us were a youth team for a year. And that was it, like my real, real first taste of leadership with planning sessions with having responsibility with like you I led a boys uh, a boys group a small group within our youth group that we'd meet and um, we'd hang out and uh, do a bible study which for some of you would seem absolutely bizarre but it's honestly it's really good for, for, for one getting to know Jesus and growing in faith but also getting to know each other and forming community and being like vulnerable and honest with each other and those kind of things um, and so that's kind of my first experience then since that you know me and Steph did a gap year together and that's how we met that's like a leadership training year um and so that's been my sort of experience of leadership so far and so following on from this uh a question for the two of us um in that time then since we first started picking up leadership skills being in positions of leadership and those kind of things um what have you learned about yourself as a leader? What's like one of the biggest things you've learned about your leadership, but also about yourself um, throughout that time so far up till now? Yeah, I think one um, memory that comes to mind is um, in my dance teaching, I remember two of our um, staff going away on maternity leave and then one um, another member of our staff being given an amazing job opportunity. So we were down three staff members, which meant that, um, our principals kind of um, meant our principals got a lot of us to step up, a lot of us young te student teachers to step up. Um, and we had to take on some classes by ourselves um, and we got thrown in. Um, and we were actually in the run up to one of our big shows. We have shows every two years. Um, and so a lot of my work in that class was preparing the dance for the show. Um, and I remember being thrown into that and learning so many lessons through it. And one of those lessons was that you can't do leadership alone. And actually, I went in um, to that to that lesson thinking, okay, so this is my class. I'll be I'm fine. Like I can do this. Um, I don't need anyone's help. Like um, all I'm doing is perfecting this dance. Um, how much work could it be? And eventually I really needed our principal's help and they had to come in and they showed me how to actually perfect a dance um, and how to put the hard work into it. And it, it, was in those mom it, it was in that moment that I thought, okay, I've definitely been trying to do this too much by myself. And I really needed that relationship to, um, to help me be the best leader I could be. And I needed someone over me 
to to pour out their wisdom into me to give me the time and space to grow um, and to challenge me when I had the wrong attitude and also to encourage me when I was doing well so that was my first learning curve but secondly ultimately I didn't ask for help and I, I tried to do it by myself and I learned in that in that time that actually once I'd reached out and said I'm really struggling with this class I think the behavior at the time wasn't very good and um, as a, I can't remember how old I was, as a 17-year-old, I didn't know how to have authority in a room full of 40 kids. Um, and in, instead of asking for help, I just plowed on, thinking, you know what, this will get better. They just learned to trust me, learned to get to know me, um, learned to respect me as their ultimate teacher rather than just an assistant. And actually, that wasn't some a journey that I was supposed to go on alone. It was a journey that I was supposed to walk with with the rest of my team. And once my principals has got, had got involved again, I realized this could have happened so much sooner. And it actually was detrimental to my class because, because I'd waited to get help. For them, it was more of a pressurizing situation because they had to clean the dance a lot further down the line when it could have been clean a lot earlier if I'd have asked for help and realized that I wasn't doing the job um, to the best of my ability. So actually, I learned a lot about protecting and looking after your sheep, about the people that you're, that you're leading. And actually, it, in, the, in those moments, it shouldn't have been about me, it should have been about them. And actually, if, I, if I'm not doing this to the best of my ability, then this isn't about me being, being proud and not wanting help actually what is the best thing to do for this group of kids in front of me and that would have been to get our principals in who are incredible dance teachers a lot sooner to show me the way show me their incredible guidance and wisdom um, and learn from them in a in a season where actually um it was the perfect season to learn you know three three teachers off for different reasons it was the perfect less the perfect time to 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 step in step up um, and be taught um yeah what about you what do you think your biggest no 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 before we oh, move sorry. on before we move on geez there was a lot of wisdom in that that was so good um but i have a few questions if that's all right so kind of the message i got a little bit from what you were saying if i was listening to correct me and correct me if i'm wrong is that i always correct you if you're wrong <laughs> hashtag marriage sorry all right we're gonna move on from that <laughs> um is that leadership isn't about being a lone wolf and trying to do it by yourself and in your own strength and just plowing on and saying i've got this but actually leadership's about uh thinking what is best for the people i'm leading what is best for the people I'm serving and then humbling yourself enough to put your pride aside, put that almost an arrogance or a naivety or whatever aside to say, you know what, um, in this situation, I need to do what's best for them and not me. Um, but then it kind of turns out in your story that actually it's what's best for you as well. You just didn't know it at the time. Is that a good s summary, do you yeah. reckon, of what you yeah, said? Yeah, definitely. I think... And just to add on to that as well, like we've got it wrong if we think leadership is singular. Mm. Leadership is is plural. It's it, even Jesus didn't lead by himself. The, that was the whole point in the Trinity that they would have each other. And actually, leadership is meant to be in in contact with other people. Quality. One other question. So, 
asking for help then, in a lot of situations, that's easier said than done. So in that situation, a situation since, how do you think um, you can come to a place where uh, you you know you need help and you can humble yourself to go and ask for help? Um, Yeah, how do you think you do that well? I think it's... It's about never really separating yourself away from the the central point. So instead of, okay, you've given me a task, now I'm going to go five miles away, get it done, and then come back and show you. It's about never stepping that far away and being close to your team, um, being in, in contact with your team. And actually, if I get given a job by someone in our staff team, I will do it and I won't constantly go be going back to them asking for help because they've given me a job that they believe I can do by myself but it's just about in those for in even in those moments at the beginning of like oh, I'm not quite sure I understood the question going back and asking because you're not wasting anyone's time by checking the question and and then even going on from that just getting halfway and thinking am I on the right track so checking in and asking okay, is this what you're aiming for? Or is this what I'm aiming for if it's your responsibility? And then asking for help ultimately is is about realizing that you, um, you deserve to be helped. And I often find that I find asking for help really, um, like it drives guilt in me because it's like, oh, I should know how to do this without asking for help. Um, but surely it's better to have asked help a million times and to come out at the end with a product that's better than never asking for help and not actually reaching the aim. Um, yeah. So it's weighing up those things. But I think actually for me now, sometimes I go the complete opposite way and I, think, and I, and I lose the confidence that I can do it without help. Yeah. Um, so I think it's about balancing those two things of like not, not, not asking for help but not thinking I can't do this without help and actually finding that balance of like help is there when you need it, but it's not something that you will always need. Yeah. Quality leadership lessons with Steph Porter. (laughs) Amazing. Um, Okay. So what about you? What is, um, I can't even remember the question now. What is the kind of, yeah, main thing that you've learned through your experiences of leadership? Yeah. Um, I think for me, the biggest thing I've learned about leadership and something that I'm so passionate about now in leadership um, and seeing it in other people, but even more so seeing it in myself, is the value of integrity. Um, And by that, I mean being someone who, um, when they say they do something or live life in a certain way or they're going to go and do something for you, they actually do it and they actually live in that lifestyle. Um, so, for example, you know, a very simple one would be like with someone who's like says they're really fit and into exercise and they love staying fit and working out and keeping their body in great shape and eating healthy. You know, they can do all the talk, but unless they're living, do they it, walk the walk? Sorry. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> but unless they're living it, and you see, actually, you know, they do eat really healthily. Oh, they do 
work out or run or whatever regularly, um, you're not going to trust what they say and what they're doing. And so being someone of integrity is where those two things align with what you say and what you do. And I think um, for lead for m- me, that's been a big learning curve because I think one of the scariest things I think about leadership and something that I'm learning is that um, with integrity, sometimes you can get away with it and never get caught out if your integrity is bad and I think my experience is that I've never really been caught out when I've been messing up and that's a bit scary for me because now I look back especially when I look back on myself as a teenager and being a leader within a youth group um, and thinking gosh my lifestyle you know it wasn't horrific don't get me wrong I'm not saying I was like going out and murdering people and (laughs) whatever (laughs) but um, you know my lifestyle often behind the scenes didn't add up with the the lifestyle that I was showing people, um, if that makes sense. And I think that's been one of the the biggest learning kids because I was like, gosh, if I can do that, surely other people can. And so for me, it's been all about that journey of my lifestyle needs to add up with what I'm saying, I believe, and I'm saying I do. And so as a Christian, you know, there's loads of things that means I need to be someone who who loves people, someone who cares about justice, someone who, you know, spends time with Jesus, someone who prays, who reads his Bible, someone who cares. Um, there's so much more I could probably say, but those are the ones that came to mind, you know. As a, as a husband who says, I I'm married to you and I love you. That means I need to live that. I need to make sacrifices in my yeah, life <laughs> um, to make sure that I am being the best husband I can be. And I'm not just saying I'm your husband, but I'm living it, you know. And I'm sure you can all think of your own examples with that kind of stuff. But I think that's been a big journey for me. But then part of that journey, which I'm not, I'm sure people can relate to, and I'd be really interested to know if people can, is because I've got so passionate about integrity and people um, doing what they say and all those kind of things that it's led to this kind of cynicism um, which isn't a good thing in terms of I think there's a margin for healthy cynicism in looking at people and being like are they who they say they are looking at leaders and saying you know um, yeah do does it live up do they live up to what they're, they're saying but actually I think sometimes because I have such a high value I place it on myself and then that then gets placed on other people. I can be too cynical. And I think that's an unhealthy place to be as a leader um, is to be judging other pe- other leaders or other people too much before you even know them. And so I think that's been a big learning curve for me of one, making sure I am someone with integrity and who is leading a lifestyle they say they're leading and being a role model in that. But then also not letting that go to the extreme where that gets sort of reflected into others and I'm too cynical of them and I don't give them a chance to almost prove themselves or get to know them or make mistakes because, you know, we all make mistakes. Um, And so, yeah, I'd say that's been some of my biggest learning experiences so far. I think we'll obviously do probably more on integrity as an episode 100 percent. we're definitely (laughs) doing an episode but i just have a question for you and just maybe simply how do you think we actually can journey integrity with people and say Mm. if you if you were a leader back when you were a teenager and your teenage self was doing uh, i hope this makes sense so you say we go back to when your teenage self wasn't integral 
Wasn't. Being someone of integrity. Yeah, yeah. being someone of integrity. Um, and if you were that person's youth leader, how would you um, go about that, journeying that with them? Yeah, and just before we start, my youth leaders did a great job. <laughs> but um, So I'm not slating them. Actually, they did an amazing job, um, especially Jay. Shout out to Jay. Um, but I think, I think, first of all, it's about trust and relationship. Mm. So... And then accountability. And they all come in together, those three things. So the way you can be someone of integrity is, first of all, you know, something that I think I have a, a reasonable skill and I'm not awesome at it, but I'm definitely good at it is being self-disciplined. I can be quite harsh on myself and that those kind of things. And so that's definitely something we all need a little bit of. Um, but then also we need other people involved, I think in any part of life as a leader or as a human, we're built for others. And I mean, this time shows it more than anything where we can't leave our houses and see other people, but we need others. And so part of being a leader is having a network of people around you who you trust, who you can be completely honest with. And you can tell stuff like, and you can tell them, you know what, I've really messed up or I've been really struggling with this thing in my life. And they can sit there and they can love you. And they can not judge you and they will say, you know what, I love you and thank you for telling me that. However, you do need to change that. What can we do to help you get back on track? And I think that's how you live with integrity. It's, and that, that's called accountability. You know, having that, those group of people and having those conversations and holding each other to a high standard. Um, and I, you can't do it by yourself because you burn out. You know, no matter how self-disciplined I can be um, with my lifestyle, you know, I burn out. There are days where, you know, I really want to exercise, but I just cannot be bothered. Mm. And so I don't. But actually, after a few days, you will say to me, Ash, you really love exercise. You want to have get fitter. Look, bro, you need to go for a run. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, and vice versa. You know, I would do the same to you and I do the same with you. And that's what relationship is. And that doesn't have to just be within married couples or relationship. It can be with friendships. Friendships are so important. And I think actually in many ways I was really lucky because I had that. I had an amazing youth worker who did keep me accountable in many ways. Yeah. Um, and actually changed a lot of my lifestyle habits and things like that and I had friends like that who you inspire each other as well mm. when you're doing it as a group you, you say oh mate you're absolutely nailing this and and you're like I want to be like you mm. I want to do that like you yeah. and I think that's why it's important to have that network yeah um is to inspire each other yeah and be accountable to each other and be honest and vulnerable with each other and that's how you can be someone of integrity and maintain it because it's not just about doing it for a short spell it's about starting it it's a marathon doing it again and again day in day out yeah great okay cool um we're gonna go on to our final section for this podcast and uh, for this first episode and so we're gonna quickly well not quickly um we're gonna share about some of our leadership inspirations um and also why why are they our inspirations what qualities do they have um, that make them so inspiring. So I'm going to start, if that's okay. Yeah, go for you. it. Great. Um, so my earliest leadership, or just inspiration in general, someone I looked up to, someone who was a role model to me, um, is a fictional character. 
or a mythical character or a historical character, whatever way you want to look at it. Um, and I remember being about three years old, possibly, and there's a photo of me looking very chubby in this outfit of this person with these like this little green like top and shorts with a, a green hat with a feather coming out of it, and then these like horrible orange tights and like orange paint on me. And this is because my earliest inspiration was Robin Hood, and not just any Robin Hood, but the classic Disney animal interpretation from the film Robin Hood that they've made. If you haven't seen it, go watch it. Steph's laughing at me because of how passionate I am about this, but it is an amazing film, and he was my earliest inspiration, and I just think it's amazing. And the reason Robin Hood was so is and was so inspiring to me is for some of these reasons. First... He's cool. <laughs> I mean, he's cool as hell, man. He's like amazing archer. He like, gets the chicks and um, all those kind of things. But anyway, the first real reason is because he cares about justice. You know, the whole Robin Hood persona, whether it's in that version or uh, what, the Russell Crowe version or the TV shows or whatever it is, Robin Hood is all about justice and he cares for people and he is willing to go the extra mile to break the law to care for people when they're in need. Um, and I think as a leader, you have to be passionate about justice. You have to care about people and making a difference in this world. And you know, Robin Hood didn't always go about it in a right way. I mean, you know, that whole stealing from the rich to give to the poor, I'm not gonna comment on, on it, but it's a controversial statement and philosophy. But actually the significant thing is he cared about people. And he wanted to see justice. And I think any leader has to have that. The second thing is, um, he was so courageous. And as a leader, I think you have to be courageous. You have to be willing to make the hard decisions. You have to be willing to stick your neck out. Or like you, even in your example of the dance school, with the teachers, you were courageous to go and admit, you know what, I can't do this in my own strength. I need some help with this. That all those different things take courage. And as a leader, you have to be courageous. And he was flipping courageous. I mean, he broke people out of prison in that film. How good is that? And then finally, um, with Robin Hood, I mean, I could talk about loads more qualities, but the final reason I, th I look up to him, he's an inspiration and in leadership to me, is he's always optimistic. Um, in that film in particular, he is always optimistic. And I think uh, as leaders, sometimes when we've got so much responsibility, there are things weighing on our shoulder. People are looking up to us to make decisions or um, whatever. That can weigh us down a bit and we can lose that sense of optimism. And you can kind of it become doom and gloom and despair. And how are we going to get through this? Um, and actually, I think as a leader, you could admit things are hard. You can admit, you know what, this is a really sucky situation. But actually, there has to be a sense of optimism for you to lead people forward and out of those situations. And he was so good at that. He always knew that he was going to do whatever he could to try and sort that situation out. And that's what optimism does in leaders. And that's why Robin Hood is my first inspiration. I love that. I was honestly so in love with the, the actor who did the BBC one. What was his name? Was it something Armstrong? Oh, Jonas Armstrong. Oh, honestly. <laughs> Every time I watched that, I just fell more and more in love with him. Jonas, if you're listening to this, 
I don't like you. <laughs> you will never listen to a podcast. <laughs> okay, who's your first inspiration in leadership then? Um, so my first inspiration is is 100% the main character of the film The Blind Side. If you haven't seen it, please go and watch it. Um, Sandra Bullock plays um, a woman called Leanne Tui. She's the main character? Yeah. Huh. Not Michael Orr. Sandra Bullock is the main character. <laughs> <laughs> she's the main character in my eyes because I just think she's amazing. Um, but if you don't know the storyline, it's um, set in an American town, all about the rich, poor, black-white divide. Um, and um, the, there's a white family who are rich, um, who own, I think they own all the Taco Bells in America or something. Um, and then a, um, a black boy called Michael who... Um, enrolls in the school um, with the, the family's children. Um, and basically, the story is about this white family taking in Michael. Um, and it's based on a true story. Michael um, Orr is a real person, and he um, goes on to be a American professional American footballer. Is that right? Yeah, played in the NFL yeah. for a while. I was going to say the NBA, but that's definitely something else. Moving on. Um, so, yeah. That is kind of the backstory, um, but I love this film. Every scene, the way it's the, I mean, there's a book originally, um, and ev the author is incredible in the way that they depict this uh, um, incredible story. Um, and every scene in the movie makes me cry. Um, but Leanne Tui is an incredible woman. Um, she, no one asks her to take Michael in, um, and in the moment where she decides to bring him into the car after they see him walking in the rain. Um, to sleep in a laundrette um she she goes over to him and in the car the dad says to the son he says I've, i only see that that facial expression on your mum when she's about to get her way um and actually um leanne got out of the car and she knew exactly what she had to do and that was to cross all boundaries all social norms in order for this boy to have a family and have a home um and i just think what a powerful storyline um to cross to cross those social boundaries and that is what we're called to do as leaders is to defeat the status quo to go against it to to be bold and courageous in our decisions um, and also to welcome everyone into our family, no matter what background or um, wealth they come from. There is no divide in the, in the kingdom. There is no rich or poor divide, no black or white divide. We are all one. We are all a family, all a unit. Um, and I think that is depicted in the film. Um, and finally, um, Leanne doesn't just change Michael in the way that he she takes him into her home, but actually he, she lets Michael change her um, and she lets Michael transform her as a person. Um, and there's a scene where um, it's Thanksgiving and as tradition, they're all sat on the sofa eating a roast turkey, watching the NFL. <laughs> I'm just checking that's right. Um, and Leanne notices that Michael's gone he isn't in the living room and she looks around the house and he's in the dining room, sat around the table. And in that moment, Leanne goes over to the TV, she turns it off and she says, grab your plates, family, we're going to go and sit around the table. And I mean, it's not particularly, they, they say they're Christians in the movie, but that's not really the point. Um, but for us as Christians, what a powerful image of let's take our family around the table where, um, where everyone is welcome um, and... Um, there is no hierarchy. There, 
everyone is equal. Um, and I just love that. I love the way that she lets Michael change her and show her um, what he brings to the family. And it wasn't just, oh, we're going to take this poor boy into our family and give him a good life. Actually, when they take Michael into their family, they all become richer. Um, and the Michael obviously becomes richer with money, but actually Leanne and her family become richer in love. Um, and richer in grace and mercy in the way that they interact now with society because Leanne has to to fight with the society who's telling her that she she shouldn't have Michael in her Christmas card or in her family photos um so yeah I love that film if you haven't seen it please go and watch it or read it or, or read both it. or both yes yeah so good totally agree that's so good I love that um, so my second inspiration, so I started off with one right from my early, early, early days as a three-year-old boy. Um, and now we're going to go into one which is incredibly recent, as in I've only just finished reading his book and now I've decided he is an inspiration of mine. And that is the CEO of Disney, who is called Bob Iger. Um, for those of you who don't know who he is, he's a CEO of Disney. He's a great leader. He's been in a sort of that world for maybe 30, 40 years. Um, he's only been CEO of Disney for sort of 15 years now. Um, and I think is close to retirement. But his book is amazing. And it kind of talks about his journey through his life and his leadership and his lessons from that. And so some of the things that really stood out to me um, with Bob Iger, who is arguably one of the most successful CEOs ever, and especially currently right now, um, is this, first of all, even though he's the CEO of one of the largest companies of the world, he strikes me as someone who is really caring. Now, obviously books paint written by that person try to likely paint them in their best, um, best image, but I think it, there's truth in this, and I imagine there is, and it, he just seems to be so caring. And even though yet yeah, he's CEO, he's the top dog, He's willing to listen to people. He's willing to take feedback. When disasters happen at the Disney theme parks, he cares about every single staff member and he makes sure that they're safe. And so there was one where there was like um, in Florida, near Disney, Florida, there's this shooting in a club and um, they find out within hours that about it and he's contacting people. First of all, what he does, he checks all of his staff are safe. He checks that um, if any of the Disney staff have been hurt in this shooting, which I think they end up did, they were hurt um, in some of them in that shooting and he does stuff about it and he cares. But then secondly, they then find out hours later that the attack was actually meant to be on the parks, the Florida park, and so they close it and that like, he's willing to sacrifice um, money and success and um, whatever because he cares for people. He cares for people he doesn't even know, but a part of his family as Disney. And I think that's so inspirational, such a good leadership quality. Um, a second one, uh, which I admire him for, is he, ha he has this phrase, which isn't his, but he uses it a lot, and it's this phrase, innovate or die. And so in our world, we have, we're so rapidly changing and we always have new things and technology. And he lives by that, to innovate or die, to, to think of new things, to stay relevant, but not lose the core of who you are. And I think that's such a challenge to leadership. If you're in a, in a business um, or in a uh, 
organization that has such amazing core values, but we're in this modern world, how do you move forward innovating effectively to stay relevant, to keep providing the best service you can in whatever industry that is, yet keep your values the same and at the core? And he does that so well. And I think that's a massive leadership lesson and something we can only learn about more and more about is how to innovate well without losing our values. And then finally, um, he's very disciplined. And so you read in his book, he says, one of the things he does that's helped him over the years is he wakes up at like 4.30 every day. And he has like a few hours before his kids get up, before his wife gets up, before the world starts, where he exercises, where he just spends some time by himself thinking it's like Bob Iger time or Steph Porter time or Ash Porter time or whatever that time for yourself to like recover and get ready for the day mentally and physically and that's and he's so disciplined imagine getting up at 4 30 every day you would die Horrible. I probably would die but last a bit longer than <laughs> you but that is amazing and I think as leaders there's so many things we need to be disciplined about and we can only learn more and more about that I love what you said about innovate and die i want innovate or die sorry not innovate and die <laughs> innovate <laughs> or die is obviously very inspiring way mm. to see leadership but how do we encourage one another and our the leaders around us to to follow that kind of mantra when life is slow and is um hard and innovation actually isn't the current season that we're in. Um, maybe we're going through um, a time of grieving or maybe our business is is failing. Um, how do we how do we innovate or die in those moments? I'm just sat here laughing at Steph because I'm like, what a question. I don't know. How <laughs> 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 oh, I meant to answer that? No, that's a, it's, I mean, it's a great question. But boy, do I not have the answer. Though I will share maybe I a think thought. You go for it. Yeah, I'll give it a try. But this will not be 100%. But I think that phrase, innovate or die, it's not constant. It's not a constant. It's not like... Um, the world constantly spinning on its axis. That's not uh, what I'm talking about. I'm talking about you have to, and I'm not sure that's what he's saying either, you have periods of innovation when it's right. When you've got the creative people around you, when people are firing on all cinders. And, and actually sometimes, you know, he took risk. If you read his book and the story of That's Disney, a hint that you want me to read his book. Disney, anyone. <laughs> not when if, he took over when Disney. you read his book. <laughs> he took a lot of risks as part of innovating but i think he also knew when not to and i think that's the leadership skill knowing uh, in those times all those different scenarios you said knowing what is appropriate for your team and your organization yeah and whoever you're leading or whatever it is is this the right time to innovate do you have the people around you to innovate and are they ready sometimes you need to give them a push but sometimes you need to be pastoral and look after them and play it safe for a while. But that doesn't mean you don't innovate at all. It's just knowing when. That would be my best shot at that. I think you smashed it. Right. Tell me your second inspiration. Um, so my second inspiration is my parents. Um, they're not movie stars. Nope. They're not CEOs. Nope. 
They are Tim and Liz. Um, Big up Tim and Liz. And they are incredible. And if you're listening to this and we grew up together or um, yeah, anything like that, then you will know how just how incredible they are and what a rock of a couple they are um, for all those around them. Um, and I guess for me, um, a few of the things that I've seen in them as leaders, just as a leaders of a family unit, um, one thing is that um, anytime me or my two older brothers would bring a friend home, um, they were welcome into the family and they were just as much looked after as me and my brothers. Um, and actually, for a lot of my friends who walked through really hard times growing up, my parents were there um, and they were a great support network to, to, um, to all of our friends. Um, and they just would cross just all all barriers of just parents could be easily on the side but my parents were always involved in my friendships um in a really healthy positive way um and um we're just amazing at welcoming our friends into the family um and treating them as their own um and just watching them relentlessly love our friends was so inspiring um, and it's definitely something I'd love to to achieve as a parent um, when we are parents. Um, when? Not now. <laughs> yeah, not now. Um, but also, um, my parents have been a part of a, a great church for the past 20... I think it's like just like when I, around when I was born. I'm sorry if that's wrong, mum and dad. But 20-odd um, years, they've been a part of um, an amazing church. Um, and just seeing them be a part of that church and love that church so much. Um, and they have run parent groups. They, My mum continually had um, all of the stay-at-home parents and their children at my house every week, um, feeding them lunch, giving them a space to run around um, and to, to be social, be a family together. Um, and my dad is my biggest inspiration in leading worship. Um, he's the reason why I got into music um, and watching him lead worship on a Sunday made me want to join in and bash around on the keyboard, even though it probably wasn't even plugged in. Um, but yeah, they just seeing them lead in all sectors of their life um, has been really inspirational. So if you're listening, mum and dad, I do very much love you. But yeah, what's our, our third one is together, isn't it? Yeah, this is uh, inspiration that we share which I think we share most of these anyway, but definitely this one. Definitely. Is, who's this one? This is the big JC, Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is Jesus. Um, and so I guess the reason why this he's an inspiration to us is, like we said, we follow Jesus. We're Christians and we believe in God and we believe that Jesus was God incarnate, God on earth, God in human form, Um God walking with us and so actually if there was ever a perfect example of leadership of a perfect human person it was Jesus yeah. and so luckily we, we have the gospels and the bible where we can learn about him and there's so much we can learn about his leadership style and um, the values he had and so some of the stuff that stood out to us and for me I think one of the big things that stands out is um He's always got time for people. He's really unselfish with his time. And that for me is a big challenge because, you know, um, I'm a big introvert. 
And that means, honestly, I can be quite selfish with my time. Um, and actually, he was, even though I think he's, I don't know, I don't know what people would say if he was an introvert or an extrovert, but he liked his space a bit. But he was also incredibly unselfish. And he was so willing to be seen with anyone and to spend time with anyone and to talk to them and get to know them and, you know, heal them and share food with them and go to parties with people. Yeah. And he was so unselfish. He was so loving. He didn't care who it was. Um, as long as they wanted to be around him, he was. He seemed like he wanted. He was happy, you know. And I think that's such a good leadership lesson, like not putting yourself on a pedestal, but we're being willing to mix with everyone and anyone, being unselfish with your time and being generous in that sense. Yeah. And I love that he he mixed with everyone and everyone with the only agenda that they would be transformed. Mm. Um, by love, yeah, um, and it wasn't so that he would be noticed as someone who mixed with everyone and everyone, but so that um, everyone else would be noticed for who they and loved are, loved yeah. and acknowledged, yeah, and exactly. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that just leads me on to my little spiel about Jesus. Um, and I'm currently writing my dissertation um, and writing on mental health. And um, actually one of the, the main stories in the Gospels that I'm using is the story of the Samaritan woman at the well. And just to give you a bit of context, Jesus was a Jew and the woman at the well was a Samaritan. And these are two groups of people that just did not cross over. They didn't talk. Um, they didn't communicate, socialize in any way. And actually Jesus showing up to the well where this Samaritan woman is and chatting to her, even the gender divide was um, was so the social normality at the time. Um, and actually through this story of them chatting about um, the woman ha who has had five husbands through her past and she's now with someone who isn't her husband um, and them talking about the well and Jesus giving her water that would she would, that would never go dry, that would mean she never was thirsty again. And through all of this conversation, Jesus um, initiates just that, the taking off of a mask for the woman. And I think he does this with all of us. He takes off our mask. We don't have to hide anymore. We don't have to hide our shame. We don't have to hide um, anything that we've been through, any mistakes. We also don't have to hide away um, what we're really proud of, um, what we have accomplished and who we are and the, the skills and the gifts and qualities that we have. He takes off the mask for everything and allows us to be who we really are. Um, and even at the end of the story, um, the woman walks away back into her village and she leaves the, the jar that she was collecting the water in at the well. And that's just a perfect image of her laying down um, her needs and trusting Jesus to provide them for her. Um, and I just love that story. And I think that as leaders, we're called to take the masks off people and to allow them to be who they really are. Yeah. Preach it. That's so good. So, yeah, I mean, we could say so much more about um, Jesus' leadership, leader, I can't even say it, leadership qualities yeah. and the example he set for us and that we're trying to live up to um but we will speak about him lots in the future episodes yeah um, i mean every episode he's gonna get a mention because this is why we're doing it because we want to be the best disciples and leaders we can be um but yeah i think that's it for this week would you say so yeah um so i hope that was useful um 
Thank you so much for listening. If you've managed to listen right through to the end, we appreciate it. We hope it was useful. We've loved doing this and I think we're going to continue enjoying this. Um, so yeah, stay tuned for, for more learning to lead with the porters. But for now... Adios, amigos. <laughs> <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs>